0: welcome back to the vibe guys i'm so so excited because i have one of the first people i met when i moved to new york city she helped me on a major panel i spoke on and in true alexa fashion once i felt a good vibe i didn't let go here we are almost five years later and i'm so excited to introduce to you marissa grossman the ceo and founder at fashion ambitionist and shop ambitionist marissa exudes confidence genuine energy light constantly helping others to level up, and she's an overall person that no matter what, pulls through with everything she says and puts out there. Her ability to be hyper-focused yet see the world and dip her hands in multiple bags is just the beginning. While working in corporate America as her bread, bed and, <laughs> bread, bread and butter, blogging, and now creating a bodysuit line is her passion baby coming to life. Marissa, I'm so excited to have you on The Vibe and would love for you to introduce yourself.
1: You are so sweet. Um, it's so nice to be chatting with you again. Uh, I'm Marissa Casey Grossman. It is so nice to be on your podcast today. Thank you for having me. Um, I think you wanted to know here where I went to school and a little bit about Yeah, my just
0: like your background. Your early I background.
1: Grew, I grew up on Long Island, a place that I will likely never live ever again. <laughs> it's in the Hamptons. Um, I went to school at the University of Florida. I really wanted to get away from like the whole Long Island scene and so I went to school in Florida where I found myself nicely blunted in with the Boca and Miami scene. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Um, Florida really suits me, so that's actually where I am right now. I I my husband and I got an apartment in Fort Lauderdale for the entire year and we're loving it here. It is right between my friends in Miami and my friends in Boca and Weston, so that's really nice. And A little bit about myself outside of my job. I love doing everything and anything outside, whether it's going to the beach, swimming, or even working out on my Peloton is something that really brings me joy every day. And, yeah, that's just a little bit about
0: me. And, obviously, I have to ask, like, how's Gabe? How's everyone doing during this time, obviously?
1: Everyone's good, but my new dog, Kobe, is definitely best.
0: (laughs) Kobe Brave. Everyone needs to see Kobe Kobe Brave. Brave. He's the cutest. So... I don't know if you remember the Lens Crafters college fashionista event where I taught yoga and spoke on a panel and told everyone to give less fucks, <laughs> but that's really where we vibed and stayed in touch. I truly will never forget exchanging phone numbers and being like, I wonder will this work, will this work go? And like I said earlier, I haven't let go because you're such a vibe. Can you tell us what you were doing at the, at the time job wise? Cause I really didn't know. I
1: was actually doing the same thing that I'm doing now in some company. So my whole entire career, I've been in advertising sales brand partnerships. And at that time I was working for click media group and under click media group was who Will wear birdie my domain. And then around that time we recently acquired college fashionista and that's where we brought you on board to do yoga for our events and lens crafters was mm-hmm. my client. So essentially I sold a partnership to lens crafters and part of the partnership it had online extensions at IRL events. And you were our incredible yoga teacher for our event with Les Crafters. (laughs) Thank you. And your whole thing was to see good daily. And her (laughs) seeing good was feeling good. So it all just worked out.
0: Literally. And my biggest advice to everyone is give less fucks. And I really hope people took that away. But I just thought it was a really – I remember us, like, leaving the event that day and being, like – I can feel that we're gonna be friends. And it was just like special. And we like literally didn't work together again, but stayed in touch. And I think that speaks volumes of like, when you meet people and you really see something in them and you're like, I'm not not letting go of you. Even if we're never gonna have dinner or anything, it's like, I still wanted to pursue the friendship or the relationship that we had. Well, you're
1: such a good vibe. Um, Just back to that moment. I just remember you were just like, I feel like in the New York influencer or even creator space, people could be not so welcoming and not so friendly. And I just felt like automatically, like you were just like this incredible vibe, so welcoming, so kind. And I, when you were training, teaching that class, I just like really felt your energy and loved your energy. And Thank it you. just means a lot when meeting people in New York to find somebody that has like a great vibe that you
0: can. Imagine. I really, I really agree with that, and I think that's why. Like I said, we haven't seen each other in a really long time, but I we FaceTimed, and I feel like I just saw you yesterday. So I' getting back, getting back on track. So because I do know your job history, and because I find everything that you've done so impressive. Is it okay for you to give us a rundown of your job life? Because I know it's extensive. And how were you always able to continue doing all of these jobs and also doing things on the side to reach those goals because that's magical. Like that is just straight up magical. And that's something like, I'm, like I told you, I was so excited to hear some answers. And this is one because I'm like, how does she go to corporate America to making her own thing, to blogging, to this, to that. So I find it really admirable. And I'd love for you to tell us like your job rundown and like how you make that work.
1: So to go back to college day, Marissa, I actually had a blog then. It was called Marissa Casey Trends. And this was before I even graduated. And I remember I... Posted a blog post on like this crazy hotel resort and it received like two thousand unique visitors and I was just like blown away at the time. But so I was blogging a bit before I graduated over ten years ago. One of my biggest regrets is stopping. But I really <laughs> felt like I needed a job in corporate. Ooh. It's all good. Did we just lose each other? I just had a call. Yeah, we're great. It's all good. Um, okay, and maybe my. Dormants, they may call five more times, so I'll just keep clicking on yes.
0: <laughs> <Literally, yeah.
1: laughs> So um, back to what I was saying, I really felt like I wanted a steady income and a steady job in corporate America. I've seen people that have had startups um, that have, they've lost everything, and I just didn't want that to be me. So at, once I graduated, I, I actually thought I wanted to go into event planning, so I spoke to a ton of people in event planning, but I realized that the... The amount of money that you can make in event planning was a bit capped. So I started exploring other options. I also wanted to stay in Miami or South Florida when I graduated, but I also found the job market there was really challenging. So, in true connection fashion, my mom knew somebody that was one of the top advertisers for El Decor. Mm-hmm. So she sent my resume to the publisher of El Decor, who sent it to HR with an exclamation point for them to bring me on as an intern. So that's kind of where I started as an intern. And this was before you had to pay your intern, so I didn't get paid. I was an intern in L Decor in the sales and marketing department for about a month and a half. And during that time, I would do absolutely everything. They were moving floors or they were moving, so I had to clean out, like, I not even over like, exaggerating, two thousand plus magazines from a magazine closet, and I think it was just myself doing it.
0: It was really insane. That, that um, sounds like the <laughs> the the ten years ago typical like story of an intern just doing like being stuck in a closet and doing it all.
1: <laughs> but I was also doing like some real work for the marketing and sales departments. But what would really get me excited <laughs> is when they sent me up to the L floor, L magazine floor. To get pens and papers and supplies. And I just got chills again, thinking about it. I really get chills throughout my entire body just going to get pens and papers. Like it was out of control. And so there was a job opening at L for a sales assistant. And I always say this I would have taken any job at L. I got really, really lucky that this was the job opening. Um, I, You could have found me in the beauty closet. I would have been happy doing anything. But there was a sales assistant job, and that really was fate for me. Um, I interviewed, and there was, like, over 10 rounds of interviews, like, why for a sales system? And I quickly saw what these sales representatives were doing for the company. They were speaking to all of these brands. They were coming up with cool strategies. At the time, it was mostly print. And they would literally go out for the nicest lunches, dinners, manicures with all of these advertising executives at the brands. I'm like, this life is for me. I yeah. need <laughs> I'm like, this is the most incredible job of all time. So I spoke up very quickly about what I wanted for myself. I finally figured out this is what I want to do with my career. I joked to the publisher at the time. I'm like, I'm going to be the next publisher. I'm going to be the youngest publisher and so forth. And I quickly got promoted. I was actually Elle Magazine's youngest seller and I was selling, I think I was like 23 wow. um, And or even 22. I don't remember. And I was selling partnerships to all of these brands from Liquor brands, the small jewelry brands, and the jewelry representative at the time, her name is Barbara Bowler, love her to death. She really taught me everything that I knew, and she brought me under her belt, and I would go on these really big meetings, like Digger Sogno and David Webb, and here I was just graduating college, looking at like $15,000 to like $100,000 pieces of jewelry, and selling pages in a magazine for $30,000. It's crazy. To me, that $30,000, I was like, how do these brands afford this? Uh That's
0: crazy. And you're just what, twenty three years old?
1: Yeah, fucking just Twenty three years old, and so I stayed at L for two and a half years. But you have to remember, I transitioned from another call from my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I transitioned from a sales assistant to a seller. So I really wanted to be like taken more seriously, and I also felt that like L, I really hit a threshold at L. So. Something really important that I feel is only go to jobs that you really feel passionate about. Right. So I actually ended up at InStyle, um, which I was so excited about, and I was brought on board to do digital only. This is around the time where prints and digital were separate, and I just kept saying, "I don't understand why we're not selling things together, prints and digital together." The print seller would go out on meetings to, like, let's say David Yerman, and she wouldn't bring me the digital seller, and it was just so. It was so old school the way right. that they were working, and I kept being like, "Let's just think omni-channel." And I really think me speaking up got in style to really merge the print and digital. And by the time that I was at Left in Style, I was actually calling on the entire jewelry watch category for both print and digital. So That's Cartier, Van Cleave, Richemont, Bulgari, um, <laughs> you name it. And I also called on other accounts as well, like fashion accessories. Um, we sold a really cool campaign to, I think it was Sally Hansen. And I was actually the first person to ever sell Tiffany & Co uh, influencer partnership. And what that involved was Harley, what's her name? The DJ, Harley Newton?
0: I forget her name, but it's fine. Whatever, she's so chic.
1: We sold her into this um, campaign for Tiffany & Co for the launch of their tea collection,
0: which was so cool.
1: And so I was really like breaking boundaries at the time tied to digital content creation and working with influencers and getting influencers. Like I sold a program I think I forget if it was that L or in style, but with to Grand Manier. And this is when something maybe and we were what was just starting out and I actually was the one that placed them in that campaign.
0: No way. Yeah. And so
1: it was kind of cool to like just be at like the start of the influencer world and everything of that nature. And then when to your other question one and I'll go back and forth Sorry, if this all over the place. But no, I, was I love there, it. I was
0: going to ask something, though. Did you oh. feel that, like, for all that work you were doing, were you feeling, like, the credit for it?
1: No. That's part of the reason why
0: I started. This is my... why we get on the vibe, because I like to get into the nitty-gritty. Because for doing so much, I'm like, but were you feeling... And I don't even care about compensation-wise, but just respect-wise. Like, you know, getting enough. It was never
1: about compensation. It was about respect. And so basically what happens... This is a true story. When I left In Style and I went to Who wear, I I felt that some of the brands that I worked with in In Style that were spending with me six hundred thousand dollars a year, to a million dollars a year. Now I was at who Aware. They didn't care that I was at who Aware. They didn't know who wear. And it took me so long to like gain their respect again. Right. And in my mind, it's like, I went to Who wear for a reason. Why don't you trust me? And they just like they they the brands remembered my work at in style so let's say the tiffany campaign with in style not with me and i'm the one that's behind the scenes pushing through all of this magic for all these brands right. really being their advocate it wasn't because in styles InStyle. style it was because i was their brand representative within in style that helped push through all of these ideas i'm sitting there with my marketer it's a full team effort of keep course that in mind. but I-, I was really their voice so why wouldn't they at least give me a chance when I went to AWARE? And eventually they would, but it would take sometimes like two years. And it's like, come on, just give us like something.
0: I just had to ask that because that's a very... Um... I feel like that's a very normalized question to ask for, I'm assuming you're what, 25 or 26 at the time. People don't, you know, at that age, even as smart as people can be, I see in the world because I felt it. People don't give you any credit for the hard work that you do or like, you know, we are younger in that generation where we understand digital versus like somebody else, like my mom, for instance, who is like digital. Where do I start? How do I start digitally here? Um, so I, it was important for me to ask that question because I believe that every you know, neglectful feeling from any job pushes you forward to get whatever job or whatever kind of respect you feel you need. And th- that's why I had to ask that with that. Um, yeah,
1: I think that was part of like probably the underlying one of the reasons why I wanted to leave in style at the end. It was like more old school. And when I, I also felt like I hit a glass ceiling there. And so then I wanted to, I who aware wear was really one of my most incredible work experiences I went to who aware. I wanted to be just I just wanted to do digital only um I didn't want to deal with print anymore there was no way to measure metrics so I joined who aware I was like the sixth employee in the New York office and what we were doing there was truly incredible I was there for three years and I made some of the most incredible friendships throughout my career and I am so 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 grateful for that and I, I was their top seller. I think on my last year there, I brought in $6 million.
0: That's fucking but, nuts. Are I'm, you kidding me?
1: But again, I felt like I hit a glass ceiling. There was no room for growth. I was an advertising director there and I was doing the same thing, literally probably since I graduated to up to who at where. And I still didn't know what, where to go next or what to do, but I did hit my glass ceiling. So I joined Goop because one of my mentors worked there. And I thought what Goop was doing was cool because they had e-commerce. And the other big thing was that they had these events and stores, but with their events, they would have these events that would happen with or without an advertising partner. So when in all my past jobs, the events mostly only took place if you got a brand to come on for a million plus dollars. Right. So I really loved that Goop would have these events with or without the brand partners because mm-hmm. it really showed that they stand behind what they do. And I learned so much at my time at Goop from Just selling these programs that touch every aspect of the business from e-com to events to really, you name it, to even dressing Gwyneth in some um, cases. So that was an incredible experience. And then, but again, I was still doing the same thing. I was still a seller. So I recently joined a company last November. So it's been about a year called Editorialist YX. That is the coolest thing in the entire world. Um, the CEO, his name is Raphael Ortiz. He founded a company called next tag before com boom sold the company for over a billion dollars. And, uh, the co-founders of editorialist, Kate Davidson, Hudson and Stefania Allen, we actually worked together at L so that kind oh of, my God. editorialist YX, I always looked up to them, always admired them. They were the chicest, coolest editors, um, that I've ever worked with. So they started this company called editorialist about seven and a half, eight years ago. And uh, Rafi, he started a company called Project YX, that is an app that inventories your closets, you get assigned to stylists, you can shop through the app, and it's really targeted towards ultra high net worth individuals. And so Project YX and Editorialist merged last summer and now it's a combined company we're called Editorialist YX, we're focused on influence over reach, and the platform is just incredible. And I joined the team to actually lead all of their partnerships and business development. So now I am growing their partnerships division from the ground up, and it's been a really incredible experience. Um, we're um, our CEO and the majority of the team is in the Silicon Area Bay Area. We have a ton of team members in New York, also a ton of team members in India. Uh, we have a team member in the UK, Paris, and wow, and some in Houston. So just really cool to really be part of a growing team. Like at who where, I felt like I was like probably a year late. Here, I'm, like, at the beginning, at the forefront of launching the reemergence of these two companies combined, which has been so awesome. And we're working with such incredible brands um, and retailers, and I'm just really grateful for this
0: experience. I have to ask you something, because I can't help but think about it, but when you were a kid, were you a super overachiever? Because you sound, like it seems like, and I and I always end up, like it's just me, I'm a psychology major, I always end up getting into like, who were you when you were five? But like, there's just something about you that I feel like, whether you dance, whether you were in school, I feel like you were just the type of person who was very involved in whatever they were in, like meticulously. Or am I so wrong on that?
1: No, I think you're you're right. Um and you're half right. Um, I was always an overachiever with my grade. Like, yeah. I needed to always get above a 90 average on my test scores, And I always wanted to be involved in sport, but I was never the best at them. And I was Got never it. the best in cheerleading. Oh, I couldn't even make the cheerleading team. Um, I was benched on the softball team. So I had like- Don't the
0: worry. I, was, I, I didn't make the lacrosse <laughs> team either. And it was really sad. <laughs> and pathetic. I was on the bench.
1: <laughs> So it was really hard for me to get involved, and then I joined a sorority in college, and this is actually pretty messed up, but they really, like, I was this, the girl from Long Island, I was Jewish, and this wasn't a Jewish sorority, and honestly, they never gave me a chance um, to really, like, lead or take ownership of things, and my friends now, they they laughed because like the one thing that they let me do was create t-shirts and now I have this bodysuit line but
0: if they <laughs> only see like a chance off.
1: like I had so much potential and I feel like I just got knocked down a lot yeah um, throughout my upbringing and I think it's made me who I am today and I just like never stopped
0: hustling I was and I do want to say you're somebody who has been really open about bullying and whatnot and you always come out so fucking like like I hate to say this, but better than all of the fucking trolls out there. So I do need to say that, like, I find it really remarkable that you still have this insanely soft heart and soul for, like, the people who didn't allow you to be really part of the sorority in the way that you should have. Or, you know, certain things that have happened or certain things that have been said, you always, like, come out really strong and you always do share the really great, but you do share the shitty parts, which I think is so important because... People look at you and they're just like, she's beautiful. She has great outfits. She has this. And there's just so many layers to that, which is obviously why I wanted you to come on here. And again, I really admire you for always being super honest about the times that aren't so good and that do weigh heavy on your heart because... I get that all the time. So many people get that all the time. And I think it's very Kobe Brave of you. (laughs) Guys, her dog's name is Kobe Brave. Um, But I think it's extremely brave and noble of you to to always, like, come out, not just, like, respectable, but, like, you never put anyone else down, ever, despite what anyone else makes you feel like.
1: Thank you. That means the absolute world to me. And, I mean, yeah. It's been a journey, and I don't want anyone to – ever look at my Instagram or look at my feed or think of me as like having this perfect life because it's so, so, so far from perfect. And just when I look at other people's feeds, when I think that they have a perfect life, it makes me feel like shit. So I just want to be honest. And so people could Take what they want from speed Take the honesty. Take the good parts. Take the nice bathing suit picture. Hundred percent.
0: And be a mix of it all. And it's but like you so make your own, you can formulate your own opinion from that. But it's I love that you are very transparent about your whole life—the good, the bad, the ugly, the traveling, the here, the there. It's like it's it's really comforting because I think a lot of people don't want to share that, and I think it's very cool that you have so. Now getting less emotional. Wait, uh, <laughs> we
1: didn't answer your other question. Which about, one
0: was it? Uh, the, oh, what's the I magic work? behind you, it all? Like, how can yeah, you, how you...
1: When I work.
0: Yeah. So,
1: this was before everybody was using tripods. When I worked at Who What Where, they actually gave us, like, a really good chunk of time off. Um, they gave us, like, two weeks before, between Christmas and New Year's, and then they also gave us a good chunk during Thanksgiving. And so I would take that time, I took that time to, like, start my blog, Fashion Ambitionist, and it was just something that always aimed me alive that I didn't continue my blog. And so what I would do is I would start taking pictures early in the morning before I got dressed for work or any free moment that I had or the weekends. But I, if you've noticed on my feed recently, I haven't been posting that much because my outfits before COVID were just what I was wearing to work. Nothing was ever fake. So it's really hard now. It's like, what am I taking pictures of myself and like my workout outfit or myself and like my body's new jeans apartment. As
0: but we're both I, in sweatshirts right now, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I just did it with basically any free time that I had. And um, I always say like when others are like probably scrolling through social media or catching up with friends, like that's kind of when I'm doing all of my extra stuff.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, I don't want to call you the girl on the go but i am for just like this certain purpose because i think that this is what led you to make the bodysuits, is that you were always on the go why wouldn't you have one staple item that like would always work with whatever you were wearing all the time 100%. so that's why we're gonna get into shop ambitionist now so let's talk about it i don't even want to wait, say
1: wait i need to cut you off for two seconds it's so funny that you just called me the girl on the go because one of my <laughs> friends said they called me like a go-getter because I'm always going to get something but like that means anything like if no, you're no, just anything. going to get my phone or like going to do something like I'm always going to do something you really
0: are and like that's that's even the impression I get just from falling on it like I know that just from knowing you but you really are like I I'm trying to say it in another way but you really are the girl on the go like you yeah. really are you're always like doing it that's why for me when you did come out with these bodysuits, I was like oh my goodness, does this make so much sense for someone who really is like always, and also ever changing. Like your outfits were always day to night. Like that literally was, if anyone followed you, let's say pre-COVID, they would know exactly what I meant. But so let's get back to Shop Ambitionist. I don't even want to say what it is because I want you to illustrate with your own words the beauty and design you've created and cultivated. I wear it on the rag. My black bodysuit and my white bodysuit are my absolute fave. And now with that it's cold and I can wear that deep V, you know I'm obsessed with it.
1: We need to get you the turtleneck.
0: Yeah. What sounds you want to it's Cold. The <laughs> Give me anything warm, please. But so- no, I want you to talk about it all. I think and your words I really want you to describe what this brand is to you.
1: So I kind of think like, you kind of said it perfectly, Shop Ambitious was made so you really don't need to think about what you're wearing when you get dressed in the morning. It's the one item that you can just gravitate towards and wear with your jeans, your skirts, your overalls, um, and throw on different cardigans and different jackets and different sweaters with it. I really felt Basically, I was obsessed with bodysuits. I keep buying bodysuits over bodysuits, and they were never perfect. They were either uncomfortable, they would ride up weird, the material wasn't good, the snaps would break, they would rip. And now I know why. It is really, really hard to make a bodysuit. It is actually insane to make a bodysuit. It took me two years to actually launch the company. But the uh, whole concept is that I want to leave women feeling com- comfortable and confident no matter what they're doing, whether they're a mom at home and they're taking care of their kids all day and they're running around the house, whether they're going on important meetings or they're going on a date, like these items could be worn to all of those occasions. And the whole concept also behind Shop business is that something that you see on the site now, you'll be able to buy, God willing, that we're still in business in
0: five years from now. You will be.
1: There, these are items that you'll have and wear forever. But I was also like one of my favorite turtlenecks from years ago, I wanted to rebuy it and I couldn't rebuy it. So the concept is you'll be able to wear these for years and years, but you'll also be able to come back if your color starts to fade and buy a new one and really stock up. Like I wear my bodysuits not because it's my company and I'm trying to promote it. I literally wear my tank tops. Like I have multiple, of course. I wear them all throughout the week and um, I'm constantly washing them, rewearing them. And they're just... I love them so much, and I'm also launching new items uh, down the line. Hope I've been working on them now since I think like March or April, so it's really frustrating how long it takes. Um, but again, these are going to be like I think you're going to like these even more than the bodysuits. Um where, like, cozy and comfortable items. They wear around the house and to work out. I mean, you know so.
0: that's all I live in. <laughs> but
1: again, like hard to find items that like I find online like. Body suits too. Why are they like $150, $250? It doesn't make any sense. Like I needed to keep the price under a hundred dollars. And hopefully with these new pieces that I'm launching too, I'll be able to offer affordable pricing. I haven't gotten that far, but that's where we are.
0: Well, that leads me to my next question, which is what have been the ups and downs in starting your own company?
1: Honestly, so, 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 so many.
0: (laughs) Well, what are the ones that you want to touch on the most? that have really so, been like, you know, I watch your story. So I know, I know of things that, that you're like, bah but I want you to say like the, I would say like the top two things that are the heart that have been the hardest. I think I'm
1: just going to have to go through this list of things quickly. Go for it.
0: Me. And, and, and you know what I was going to ask and starting at mid COVID, but you can just include it all COVID starting a company mid COVID and just the ups and downs of that. Yeah.
1: So, First off, I feel really grateful with everything that's happening in the world that this com- I've been working in this company for two years. I had no choice but to launch during COVID and I just feel lucky that the response has been what it's been. So that's been a blessing. Um, but that aside, and yes, we've been pretty successful within our first year, but there's been so, so, so many hiccups. Um, and also just from launching a business in general, most importantly, getting the fit, feel and material 100 percent correct is definitely the biggest challenge one of my friends in the industry he said to me you need to think of like creating a garment like your favorite restaurant making a salad mm-hmm. so let's use houston's for an example you're going to order your favorite salad at houston's and they have the formula they know they have the ingredients they know what goes into that your perfect caesar salad but if one thing is a little bit off whether it's too much dressing or too much chicken or too much this or that, whatever it may be, it's the whole salad is not going to be up to your likings. That's the same thing with even more steps when you look think about making any piece, any garment. There are just so many layers whether and so many places where mistakes could happen. So from the dye house to not letting the materials relax long enough to the color being produced a little bit off to the fabric not relaxing, I don't know if I said that, to the specs, not someone not following spec, to somebody not um, replacing a needle, which could cause holes in the garment. Right. If one person on that manufacturing line is not paying attention or does not do their job 100% correctly, things could go wrong, which could result in so many garments being damaged. Right. So that has been definitely a learning experience. Um, and tied to that, One of the things that I've learned through this is just being okay with controlling only what you could control. Like at the beginning, like in April, I was like beating myself up about like these mistakes and these issues that happen, but it's not like in my control and all I could do is apologize to the customers that maybe receive a damaged body suit and send them a new one, ask them what I can do to make them happy, and that kind of goes into my next thing is I am such a people pleaser. I want everyone to love me. I want everybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. And my customers are like my community. They're my—I feel like they're my family. Um, and when they're not happy, like I'm not happy. But I need to be okay with them sometimes. Just not everyone being happy. Like if I get one nasty customer email, like just—I all I can do is respond as nicely as possible and explain to them what happened. But that's definitely been a challenge for me um
0: and I was actually gonna ask like emotion that was gonna lead me into my next question but emotionally like you wear so many hats but emotionally how does this affect you I
1: mean like there's some days where I'm so happy and I'm like there's, like I had a night where Gabe and I went out for dinner and I was like hysterical crying I'm like (gasps) I just didn't think that it would just all happen so quickly and there's so many issues and everything seems like it's going wrong but the silver lining is that like it's all working, but I have my full-time job and like just all so much. And like, I just like broke down and we just had to take a deep breath and just realize that this is like a good problem to have. Totally.
0: I literally was just going to say that.
1: It was a lot all at once. Um, and it's a lot to start your own business. You know, it's really just me. I'm really a one woman show. I have some freelancers here and there that help with some things, but it's really just me. And when customers email too, like I am I'm recently doing all the customer service emails. So it's a lot. Like I built the shop. Um, one of your questions I think that you also asked was what was something that I think you said that like didn't, you didn't, you learned quickly, but you thought that maybe I forget what the question
0: was. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to be one of my next ones. Don't get to it. I'm going to get to it.
1: Okay. Um, but teaching my, uh,
0: it's also, what something there's so like, never... the
1: other things that come into like a business like that you would never think about. Like who knew what GSM means or UPCs or anything like that. SKU numbers, it's all like there's just so much. And another ups and downs is like with the wildfires that are unfortunately happening in California and the COVID shutdowns. A lot of the factories have been shutting down, so there's been delays. And it all goes into like I can't guarantee to my customers like one items are going to be restocked or ready. So I actually had to turn off pre-orders, I stopped offering exchanges because I just want to manage them as much as I can to make sure that they're happy and that they're not like constantly waiting to get a bodysuit. I know that was a long winded answer. No,
0: that's that's great. <laughs> and I you know, I need to in brief, what's been the most rewarding aspect of your of having your own company?
1: Just seeing these customers in my community, wearing the bodysuits, it just completely, like, lights up my day. Um, somebody got proposed to in TV, and white, yeah. Somebody wore it to, like, one of their, their Christmas pictures. Another person, like, a few people actually wore it for their Christmas holiday pictures. Um,
0: That's so sweet. That
1: people are ordering them for, like, their actual bridal events. And, like, I just got the chills thinking about it. Like, they want to wear, like, the white long sleeve or the white V with a skirt during these times. And it's just so, so nice. And to hear like the customers say that, um, am this size, I've never felt comfortable wearing a bodysuit and your body is the only bodysuit that makes me feel good. And then I've had other customers say, I'm like three months postpartum or I'm five months pregnant and I'm still wearing my size, smaller size, medium bodysuit and me like things like that. It's just like and getting pictures like that from friends and the community. It really just gives me chills every time and just puts a smile on my face.
0: And I'm sure it reminds you why you're doing this over yes. and over again. So now the question that you wanted to get to what's something you never knew, but you learned quickly through this process. And I asked these questions because one, I personally want to know, and two, there are so many people who want to do more than just one thing, but feel they can. And I think you're a perfect example of somebody who can do it all.
1: Well, To answer the first part of the question is building my Shopify website. Like, I built that on my own. (laughs) And um, just understanding the full return process and the full process of producing a garment. Like, just diving in and just being okay with being cared and being okay with what you not known and what you don't know and learning along the way. Like, I had to invest a good amount of my own money to start this business. And I kept just saying to my husband, Like, if this fails, it's fine. I feel like I just, like, got my MBA. Um, I learned so much throughout the experience. Um, So every single day really is an incredible learning experience, and I just feel so happy that I've learned so much over the past two, three years.
0: Absolutely. And then I I asked you (laughs) – I love how we both just looked at each other. And then I – I said, um, you know, I asked these questions cause I want to know, but I also know there's so many people who feel that they want to do more than one thing, but they feel like they can't. So what's your, what would be your piece of advice for someone who like would like to be doing more than just their day job, who would like to like maybe pivot somewhere else, but they just feel that they have to stick with one thing.
1: Honestly, just start.
0: I love that you say that. Cause that's like how I started my podcast. In. Yeah. You just I have wanted to start.
1: start a podcast years ago, and I was too afraid to start. I have this stupid mic that I never use, and I could have been free. And you just have to start and just be okay with being scared.
0: All right. Now, are you ready for a few just personal questions that I just wanted to ask? Huh. Just to wrap yeah, of it up. Course. What would you tell 18-year-old Marissa? Something that you didn't know then that you absolutely know now?
1: Just not to worry that everything works out as plans and that the universe definitely has your back.
0: Gabby Bernstein, baby. (laughs) (laughs) What is the best piece of advice that's been given to you thus far?
1: I have actually two pieces of advice. One is don't spend more than five minutes worrying about something that won't matter in five years from now. And I'm still guilty of doing this sometimes, but I really try not to let, especially with work. Um, Personal is a little different, but work things that capacity if it's a challenge I'll like sit with it for five minutes and then moving on yeah and then the other piece of advice that my career coach gave me a few years ago was you need to start think of your day and everyone's day as a glass full of water when your day starts your cup is completely full and as the day work day goes on your cup goes down and down and down and down and you start to feel depleted so at the end of the day I really wouldn't recommend anyone sending like any like really important emails, especially after 6 p.m. or any emails where you're trying to like get your point across because A, you're depleted, your coworker on the other end who's receiving that email or that slack, their day may be depleted as well. And um, they also may have had, you may have had a drink or your coworker may be on their first or second drink. and. Overall, nobody should be emailing and drinking. Just like, don't drink and drive. 100%. I don't and drink, and drink. I drink, don't drink and email. <laughs> um, so when that really like changed my whole work ethic and my stance on how I look at work because I was like, um, as you know, I'm like a hustler. I want to work as late as possible. I want to always be like killing it. But I realized it was for the best of myself and for others around me to just not check my emails late at night, to not email late at night, not Slack late at night. And it's really, really paid off for myself um, personally, professionally, and mentally.
0: That's amazing. And you know, as much as you are, like, I feel like on, on Instagram and whatnot, I also feel like you have a really great balance with it where, like, you're able to, like, shut off also and, like, be with Gabe and your family and your friends. Like, I don't know why, but I get this energy from you that, like, your phone isn't, like, attached to you like that. It's, like, it's there. It's there if you need it. But, like, I don't know, I just see you being really authentic with like your life also, and it doesn't seem, like there are a lot of people I see that are uh, need their phone, like it's like a necessary needing. But I feel like you let go when you need to let go also, which I find really I, remarkable because I think it's hard to let go.
1: I really try to like put my phone away a lot. Um, I even go out for dinners without my phone. And I really just try capturing like the moments that I think look good for Instagram on 100%. Instagram. 100%. Uh-huh.
0: I'm like, I, and I I feel like COVID has helped with that a lot because it gives, you know, with, with not having, picking out outfits and doing fun things and all of these things, it's kind of slowed that down, which is, I think a great thing.
1: Love it. I kind not love it
0: more. (laughs) Uh, Same for me. I'm like, oh my God. Like, uh, like there are people who are like obsessed with TikTok. I'm like, I am done with, I just like love not having to use a phone if we don't need to. So I would love to end this on this note. If you could leave us with something super uplifting, maybe a story that changed your outlook, maybe a moment in time that propelled you to do more, like lean in with me here and like, give us something relatable that everyone can leave with and vibe on.
1: Wait, say it one more time.
0: I said, (laughs) I love you. If you could just leave us with something super uplifting and real, maybe a story that changed your outlook that maybe propelled you to move forward, Something really relatable that I think you can bring to the table for everyone that maybe everyone is feeling right now.
1: This is a tough one during these times. Yeah, but it's really fact to and I need to do this too, like being okay with being uncomfortable and not having everything go your way. Um I mean I this is too, this one's too hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love how I, like, I got you at the end. You're like, shit. You stumped me. I stumped you, but we it's not, it's not that I wanted to again. stump you. It was that, you know, and there is no right or wrong answer. I hope you know that. There is no right or wrong answer. It was just, you know, I have shared so many fucking stories on here about, it. I think everyone knows about, like, my fucking life at this point, but I just you know, I mean, you've shared so much and I'm so appreciative of it, but I didn't know if there was something that stuck out with you. Like, I know I have certain people who are like that have this one memory that I know changed my life forever that propelled, you know what I mean? And that's certain people and some people you, I mean, you've been a hustler since, since, I mean, the fact that you needed a 90% on every test score is just like, (coughs) like I'm cracking up because like I was always in AP classes, but I would just be thrilled if I got a C on the, on the on the test just because I was like, okay, well, I'm smart enough to be in this class, but like, I'm not doing amazing in the class, but at least I'm smart enough to be here. So I find it like super amazing that you are. That's also why I was like, there has to be maybe something or a story, but you kind of have a billion stories of moments that really I mean... propelled you to move forward. I mean, even, even hearing about how much money you the six million dollar thing it's like and not getting enough credit I think that's a huge story in its own of being like okay I'm I'm not allowing people to, to put me to the side anymore I'm like this is me I'm doing the work and I'm gonna show that and that's you know something I think that comes with age also you know when we're 20 yeah. when we're 24 we're a little scared and then now we're in our 30s and we're like all right no you can't talk to me like that like that was my fucking idea
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I think it There's a few life moments that have happened to me that have really propelled me forward. One was when my best friend had an aneurysm in front of me when I was 13. And then the other is when I was publicly shamed last year for something that I didn't do. And my name was tarnished. And everything that I've just explained to you like throughout my career um, that I've worked so hard for was stripped away from me, for my husband just trying to do something loving and caring. And that was really, really hard. And I think what that taught me was you really need to find people and go, going back to the name of your podcast that are that that you vibe with and that you trust and that you know have your back. And during those really, really dark times that I was depressed and sad, it didn't feel like everyone had my back. It, I don't expect everyone to understand what I was going through during those times. Um, you really wouldn't understand unless it happened to you. But it would have been nicer for more people um, to check in and not to be, like, scared
0: to check in. A thousand uh, percent.
1: So I think I learned from that, like, you need to check in on your strong friends. Cause yeah, I put out a strong front, but I cried every single day for six months. Like I felt like my life was completely over for something I didn't do. So, um, I think just like, and I think that also like, to the point that you made earlier, made me like a more compassionate person as well. Like I realized, cause I'm such a happy person, um, but it made me realize that other people could be going through really, 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 really hard things where they could be crying every single day for six months. They could be like chronically depressed and depressed, live their whole life in depression. So it just really opened my eyes up to the world. And I think my career coach also said this to me as well, just tied to work too. Like you never know what somebody else is going through. Like the person that you could be chatting with, that's your coworker could have been or dealing with abuse at home, and, like, you just really need to take things from a compassionate standpoint, and that's really, like, what being publicly shamed, I think, taught me, and also to have, like, thicker skin, and, like, not, I mean, I could go on, this is a whole other episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I want you to know, I love you so much and even so even during your like rough points i hope you know i i'm almost 1000% sure i reached out um <laughs> i'm almost 1000% sure i reached out because that's just not in my nature to ever grasp on especially to somebody i care about to grasp on to whatever you know public shaming or hate is going out there and i do hope you know I admire you. I admire what Gabe did for you. I think it's all so magical and still so special. And I hope no matter what happened during that time, you still know that it was such a loving time. And people like me overlook, don't even look at what people said and just looked at the pure love and everything that came with it. And I think it's a testament to who you are. And even in one of the most loving and exciting times of your life, something really shitty went down and you always come out like so strong, so brave, so beautiful. Kobe brave, Co- So Kobe brave, <laughs> so Kobe brave, but so beautiful and kind. And like, listen, you, you, anybody when they're angry can have the right to be like, fuck this, fuck you, fuck everything. And like, you were so compassionate to yourself and the world and didn't like feed into any of that. And I commend you majorly for that. And I, I, this is what I wanted to end with this with you is this is why I know you will continue and always will be a successful businesswoman because you know how to handle yourself in tough times good times loving times personal times and that really is what makes somebody really successful and a good person which is the only kind of people I ever want to work with
1: you're so sweet so I'll be
0: crying after this fall. <laughs> No, I don't want you to cry. If anything, just happy tears. But, you know, I really just want to thank you for coming on, giving everyone a rundown of your life, your business, being vulnerable. I, you know, for me, that means everything. I think you know that in my heart that I – I could cry right now. I always do it every end of the podcast. (laughs) Um, But I'm just, I'm always so grateful when anyone opens up to me, even if I know them, You know, we always end up scraping a little bit deeper than I always thought. And I'm just grateful that you came on and I'm so happy that you're doing well and your businesses are doing well. And I'm so excited for that. I really, really am. And I'm so excited to see what's in store for the future.
1: Thank you. You're the sweetest, kindest human and I'm looking forward to continuing and growing our relationship. So thank you for having me. It means the world.
0: Of course. Thank you so much for coming on the vibe, my love. Have a beautiful day.